You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Once again, welcome to Socks in the Basement, where normally we'd be sitting down at the nine-foot homemade oak bar, except that's under lock and key because Chris is away this week. So, belly on up to a uh, six-foot press board desk. You can still crack open a cold one, I don't mind. And as always, Socks in the Basement is brought to you by Family Waterproofing Solutions. If you got water coming into your basement, get it kicked out. Call Family Waterproofing Solutions or go to FamilyDry.com and mention Socks in the Basement. They'll take extra good care of you. So it's the second half of the season. It is the grind. This is the Sox' toughest part of their schedule coming up. A lot more teams over 500 than what they've been facing. And why not get a player's perspective on what the guys on the 26-man, not the 40-man, are going to go through in the second half of the season because we could talk we could parse about what they did this week and we could get into a lot of different things about how they could have changed anything in a game or in a bat or something like that but in the bigger picture we want to know what these guys are going through we want to have a feeling for how these things are working so joining me today on the phone is the pope himself don paul former White Sox reliever. I know people know you as the Pope. Do you mind if I uh, use the nickname, or is that something that you're uh, kind of done no, over with? No, that's, that's fine. Some people still call me a Pope. I, I imagine you're never going to get away from it. Uh, no, it's, it's fine. You know, it's kind of an amusing nickname, I guess. Uh, kind of interesting. And I, I laughed when, I, when they gave me that nickname. Uh, I thought it was kind of fitting because I was Catholic, and I'm Polish like the Pope was when they gave it to me. I was like, all right. It works. And I, I will say it would have been better had you been Don Paul II, though. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> uh, believe it or not, I actually got some, some hate mail from people ripping into me for proclaiming myself the Pope, taking, you know, calling myself the Pope. Like, like I made it up myself, and everybody, please call me this. You know, you, it's, it's kind of amazing some of the mail you get sometimes. So, in no way, shape, or form, did they recognize that it was just something that Hawk and Wimpy were doing to keep themselves Correct. amused during the games, yep. just giving out weird yep, nicknames? My, yeah, my fault. I made it up. I'm calling myself a pope. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to get into a religious theological discussion, but, Don, thanks for coming on. And so you spent, what, 10 years in the majors, right? Yeah, yeah, up and down, but parts of 10 seasons in the major league. Seven full years, but parts of 10. So as, as people are picking up on this particular episode, uh, we're a week into the second half of the season. So, you know, I know there's the old cliches about the dog days and all that stuff, but this really is kind of the toughest part of the Sox schedule. So as a player, how do you prepare to get into that second half? I mean, is it is it something where, you know, you're hitting the refresh button and it's just you treat it as a second season or, you know, are they going to struggle potentially coming out of the gate if there's too much pressure? Well, I don't think there's too much pressure at all. I mean, it's nice that they've got this, this eight-game lead or so uh, in their division at, the, at this time, you know, starting the second half. Um, so I don't think that, that is nice to have. So, I mean, they can actually, well, and hopefully they don't just relax, you know, because we saw what happened last year when they kind of relaxed towards the uh, 
end of the season, all of a sudden you, you lost your momentum and things. So you, you still need to keep everything going and, and keep going strong and, uh, and and going all out to win every game still. You, know, you still have to have all that, but it's, it's a heck of a lot nicer to be in the lead or battling for the lead as opposed to being one of those teams that are 12, 15 games out of first place. I mean, then it really becomes a, a grind to, you know, go there every day to the ballpark and, you know, still, you know, give your best effort, of course, and all. But it's when you're, when you're totally out of it, then, man, those August days are, are really, it's really tough. Mentally, it sounds like it's easier to be in the lead and coming out and trying to win a division title than being a team that's behind or being a team that is, frankly, that's out of it, right? Well, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I'd say if you're out of it, it's 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 hard. Uh, you know, you're just playing for other teams who are watching to trade for you. Or you're playing for a contract next year. You know, so it's it's definitely a lot tougher to to be there every day than uh, you know when then if you're in the in the race somehow, either either in the race or leading the race is uh, where you want to be for sure at this point. So in that regard, like for example, the fact that last weekend Lance Lynn gets extended. Uh, you know, he's obviously was coming up into a contract that year. There's a, a guy that's a little bit older. Um, does that help him? Do you think coming out, of, you know, going through the, the second half now, he's he's battling for a division title. He's battling for a playoff spot, and you know, he knows that this is the team he's going to be with for the next couple of years. You know, I I don't know. It's it's funny how some players. And again, I think everybody's different. But there are some players that I've seen, you know, happen that once you got that guarantee for a couple more years, all of a sudden, for some reason, they're not as focused as, you know, as, as they were before. You know, if you're playing for a contract every year, it doesn't make sense, but uh, it's, sometimes it happens where you see guys have their best years when, you know, they, they have to do it. They, they know they're playing for a contract. You know, as opposed to all of a sudden getting the guaranteed money and stuff. And I'm not saying at all that's going to happen to Lance Lynn here in this, in this situation. I'm just saying that I've seen that in the past with a number of players. So you just don't know how a, a player is going to react to that. But you know, Lance Lynn's been around for a while. He's a, a veteran. He's a, you know, uh, done a great job. I, I would think, uh, you know, that's not going to you know, affect him than knowing he's got the, the comfort of a couple more year uh, contract going. So uh, yeah, I think he'll be fine and, and can go about business the same way he always has. Yeah, hopefully so, anyway. A little bit of a science experiment then, if they don't extend Carlos Rodon in the same fashion. You got one guy going for a contract, you got one guy not going for a contract, both fighting yeah. in the same playoff spot, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, we'll see, we'll see how those two uh, compare against the stretch here. It is interesting. Do you think it's a, a, a potential concern to have? too much of an easy path especially if the indians continue to fall and the twins and and tigers and the royals all haven't proven that they're having you know much in the tank this season does that become an issue too where if if the division isn't really much in question in the second half the guys are are maybe going to start taking a break or taking a breather that where they shouldn't i think so i i, I do and you know and, and there's some teams that it's hard to say because there's some teams that have you know, run away with their division and, and kept running away in the playoffs and just kept winning and winning and winning and, and they had no problem. But there's other teams that, you know, have taken the foot off the gas pedal and uh, all of a sudden lost that edge and it kind of struggles, you know, as it comes to the playoffs. So, you know, sure, you'd rather have a big cushion, you know, for, for, you know on one side of the coin and we'd like to have that big cushion, but 
I'd almost like to have a, a closer race so that, you know, all the way through, so you're, you're, you're just, you're mentally, you're just so focused, and, and, and you keep that focus, you know, right through September and into October, so, you know, I, I would rather have, uh, you know, a, a closer race, really, you know, as long as we end up winning it, of course, but I'd like to have the, that, that competitive, close thing all the way through, because I, I do have concerns about, uh, you know, things happening like they did last year. Yeah, and that's, I think, what's on people's minds last year is watching the team clinch early, fade a bit, and then come out flat against Oakland. Although I know, you know, Chris always talks about on the show, and we, you know, he and I are in agreement on this, that uh, even with somebody like Aloy Jimenez not being hurt, it might be a different series, at least against Oakland, but then going forward, who knows. Um, yeah. And then on the bullpen side of things, there was some retooling coming out of the All-Star break. Uh, as far as guys going down, a couple new 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 old faces coming up, so to speak. Uh, what what do you think went on in the first half with guys like say Evan Marshall, who uh, you know much better in the past, you know struggling this year a little bit? I, I, is that something where it it's maybe a physical mechanical thing that Ethan Katz has to work out, or is it for you when you were playing? How much of it from year to year was? Uh, you know, mental versus physical to try and carry over when you had success. Well, it's tough. It seems like I've, I've noticed that a lot, of, a lot of relief pitchers, they can come and go. You know, they can be great one year. And more, it's almost seems more apt for some of these relievers to be really good one year and not so good all of a sudden the next year. I'm not quite sure why, but it, it seems like that can be more of the case. Um, and it's, it's hard to say, you know, because certainly so much of the game is mental. It really is. You know, as soon as you think you got it figured out, you're, you're in big trouble. Um, but you, cause you just got to stay, you know, aggressive and be learning every day and, and never feel like you've, you've got it figured out and, and, and you're owning people. Um, so mentally, it, it certainly is, is a tough thing. Uh, you know, your mechanics can come and go, and, and, and that's why it is important to have uh, you know, a good pitching pitching coach and a bullpen coach because you know it's really to keep you back, uh, you know, back I get you back on track because those that can certainly come and go too. But it's it's hard to pinpoint. When you are headed out to Sox games, you may find in the shadow of the ballpark the good times, good food, and good drinks at Cork and Carry at the park. Head on down there, thirty two fifty nine South Princeton Avenue. Stop in before Sox games, watch Sox away games, stop in after Sox games, make sure you have yourself one of their fantastic burgers, really any of their fantastic food, grab yourself a cold beer, grab yourself whatever kind of a beverage you want, sit back, watch the White Sox out on the road, sit back, watch a pregame show, relax, and then head on over to the ballpark. Save yourself some money from the concessions, save yourself some uh, headache and heartache, from trying to get down to the park right as everybody else is arriving. Show up early, 3259 South Princeton Avenue. Cork and carry at the park. You absolutely cannot and will not beat it for a place to go before games. So now physically, under normal circumstances, what are you going through as a pitcher getting into that second half, into that stretch run of the season? Is is there any issues that you think you were going to have for the Sox this year with fatigue because they weren't built up that's that's been kind of a topic that people have been really espousing a lot of nice theories on 
Yeah, I mean, and, and the theory can go both ways too. You know, you, it could be fresher because you didn't have as much going on last year. You know, as opposed to a long season with a ton of innings logged or something. So I can see, you know, both sides of that. You know, and I don't know which way it'll play out. Um, but I, I can equally see both sides of that argument for sure. Um, you know, but yeah, it's 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 it does start the you know, second half of the season. Guys do start to you know fatigue somewhat. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see you know you know how everybody uh, handles the stuff. But I, I don't think the shortened season last year will will hurt. And if it, and if it does, again, everybody's in the same boat. So all the other teams are the same way. So there's there's absolutely no excuses there too. Well, yeah, and and if uh, you know there are signs of fatigue with with certain pitchers, I mean, you can always shut a guy down for a little bit if there's something wrong, I suppose, but. Um, you're right. I mean, everybody else that's in, in and around them, the Astros, the Rays, the right. Red Sox, whoever, their staffs are going to go through the exact same thing. Yeah. Uh, so when you are getting that sort of fatigue, though, for a pitcher, what goes first? Is it the, is it the legs or is it the arm? <laughs> you know, a lot of times it is the legs. It, it, it is, you know, and, it, you, and you're torn between you want you, you to keep in good shape all year long and you don't want to work out too much that you're fatiguing yourself you don't want to work out not enough so you're not in shape enough you know so it's a a delicate balance of how much uh, workouts with your legs and, and your whole body too you're going to be doing um you know to keep yourself in good shape but yeah it's a lot of it that comes from the legs and the core uh for pitchers it's uh, you know, a lot of people think it's just the arms but you know more of those things come from the legs and the core really well, and then when the legs and the core start to fatigue, is that when guys will start to develop maybe some arm, you know, some arm soreness and issues because they're trying to put more strain up there? Yeah, I mean, you certainly can be. You might be putting more, more strain, more effort on your arm. Uh, you know, sometimes you might even alter your mechanics a little bit, and when that happens, you really start getting in trouble. If you start altering your, your mechanics because you're, you're fatigued, um, a lot of times guys end up hurting their arms because of that. Well, and we've seen this year, uh, you know, guys are going down with oblique injuries. Um, we saw, you know, some guys go down with hand injuries trying to change their grip after the sticky tack stuff. You know, is that something where, is that from maybe not being built up last year, or is that just something where, you know, we're just seeing an odd rash of injuries, you think? I think it's more of an odd rash of injuries. Uh yeah, I just can't get over. I mean, I mean, the Sox obviously have a ton of them, but all throughout baseball, there's a ton of guys that have just gotten hurt, just one after another. And I, you know, I don't know if it's you know the way these guys are training, the way they're building up, the you know whatever they're taking in their bodies. I have no idea what's going on, but certainly there's a heck of a lot more you know odd injuries going on, much more so than you've kind of ever seen. And I mean, I'm not sure what they're going to do about it, but, you know, right enough guys are, I can't imagine them playing harder. It's, it's causing them to get hurt. I, I don't know what, what it is, but there certainly is, uh, you know, a, a lot of odd injuries uh, affecting the Sox and everybody else. And what kind of injuries did you have during your career? <laughs> uh, knock on wood, but, yeah, all I ever had really was uh, tendon hands in my elbow. One time I was in the disabled list there for, uh, you know, a Two weeks. Uh, it was actually my first season, I think, in the major leagues, really. And after that, that was all, which is, 
I was fortunate, especially because I, one of my main pitches was a fork ball and split finger fastball, and that generally puts more strain on your arm and your elbow. Um, so I think I was probably more prone to injuries, and uh, I was uh, able to kind of avoid that. You know, and part of it, I always said, part of it, I felt like I never threw hard enough to get hurt. You know, so I only threw uh, my fastball was maybe 83, 85 miles an hour. Uh, which was average, below average at, at that time. And, um, yeah, I, I don't know if, if that was a part of the reason why uh, I didn't get hurt myself, really. You know, maybe I had better mechanics. Maybe the fact that I didn't put so much stress, like some of these guys do, put stress on their arms by, you know, with a violent uh, arm action. Um, but uh, I thought that maybe because I didn't throw that hard, maybe I, didn't, uh, maybe I was able to stay more injury-free than some others. Well, yeah, and I do remember, you know, seeing you on the mound and, and you know, some guys that, you know, I noticed, like, the, the effort that they put into it, that's got to contribute, yeah. right? Right. I think so, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, the mechanics you have as a pitcher certainly, um, you can get away with them for some time, but if you're repeating it over and over, over a number of years, if it's not a good mechanics, it can catch up and, and get you. And also, it's about how you take care of your arm, too, your legs and your arm. You know, there's so much into it, because like we talked about, you know, it's all about your legs and your core. So you got to make sure those are built up and strong enough all along the way. But also, it's, you got to be careful on how you uh, work out with the rest of your body. You know, we, you got to be careful not to be lifting weights, heavy weights. You know, when I was playing, guys, or some guys were bench pressing a bunch and doing curls and things, and uh, it wasn't... It, it makes you uh, your body look better, maybe if you're on the beach, but it wasn't good for uh, pitching. You know, it didn't help you as much as a pitcher to, to be building up muscles in your upper body necessarily. So, do you think pitchers these days, knowing that you know there's a there's a heavy focus on spin rate, there's a heavy focus on obviously velocity is way up. You know, you don't see guys throwing 83, 85 mile an hour fastballs, except for maybe like some soft tossing lefties that are still sitting out there. You don't see it from a right hander much. Um, no, gosh, no. You know, I, you got I mean, when I was playing, you know, if somebody threw 90 miles an hour, that was a big thing. If you're throwing over 90 miles an hour, people were excited about it. Now if you're throwing 90, you're still below average, it seems like. So does that put more strain on, on it, do you think, or is it just somehow guys are bigger, stronger? I mean, it, is that kind of thing where, where guys are coming up thinking more about spin and more about, uh, you know, extension and more about getting, you know, that velocity up? Is that can you know going to contribute to fatigue, especially if they're not, uh, you know, if they, like you said, they're not taking care of themselves. Yeah, I think it does contribute. You know, I think you're, these guys are trying to, you know, put everything into it for you know maybe one inning or something now, and uh, you know trying to get that spin rate. You know, it's all about the rate going, trying to throw as hard as they can. Um, I, I think all that contributes to more stress and strain on, on the arm. Uh, you know, then kind of. We were pitching in the old days, quote. Going back to now being in the second half and going down, you know, to a, uh, a playoff push, how important do you think it would be for key guys to get, you know, some rest between now and then? Because, you know, if you're, uh, as a reliever, uh, you know, you might get lucky and, and be on the 05 White Sox where, what, Neil Cox was the only one to make an appearance, really, up until the World Series? <laughs> right, yeah. Um, yeah, I think it is an important thing to to rest these guys, at least not overwork them for sure, but even if you can get a little bit lighter load uh, going into, you know, you know, September
November, October and stuff, I think would be a, a really good thing to help them out uh, as you start going into the long playoffs. Socks in the Basement listeners looking for great craft beer on the South Side? We have a spot for you. It's the Blue Island Beer Company. This unique local South Side brewery with an incredible tap room is located in the historical district of Blue Island, Illinois. Live music indoors and outdoors, dollar off drafts on Tuesdays, $3 off growler fills every Wednesday. Incredible beers, great food options. Check out all they have to offer right now at blueislandbeerco.com. Have a beer and watch a game at Blue Island Beer Company, 13357 Old Western Avenue, for that great Blue Island beer. Blue Island beer, Blue Island beer. We are true to the craft, let me be absolutely clear. Blue Island beer, Blue Island beer. Let's all pour another round and drink Blue Island beer. So anybody on the team that, that as you're watching now as a fan, uh, that you are looking at that guy and thinking, geez, Tony, you better give this guy a break. He's he's really putting way more into it than uh, than he should at this point. Um, I don't know. I mean, some guys thrive on it. You know, we're like Liam Hendricks, it seems like, he wants to be out there every game and, and you know, pitch as much as possible. You know, so he's got a, a track record of a heck of a lot of innings you know, on his arm and a lot of appearances and things, and I think he's thrived on it. So you know, I, I don't know how he would be. Would, would, would he be a guy that would tire out towards the end uh, if he continued to have all that? I, I don't know. And then what about it? Now, you obviously – as a reliever in the American League, you aren't doing a, a ton of hitting. I don't have your at-bats in front of me, but uh, do you think the position guys have the same kind of consideration about, uh, you know, uh, you know, having physical fatigue screw with their mechanics and things like that? I'm not sure about mechanics-wise as far as a position player, but uh, I think there is fatigue as well over in, in, with the position players, too, where, again, you want to be resting these guys uh, where you can, you know, more so in the second half here, especially the you know, hot, humid, muggy days and things. Uh, I think it's a, a good thing to be able to rest, you know, the, the pitchers and position players where you can. And it's a, it's a good thing the Sox have a, uh, a cushion right now where they can do that to some degree, but you certainly want to be cautious of, like I said, of what could happen. Look what happened last year where you just don't want to just lose the edge you have, the mental edge, and uh, going into that those September, October. So with the mental edge, too, now the one thing that was made of the team coming into the All-Star break was they beat up on the bad teams in the AL Central. They you know, had a bunch of dates with the Orioles, which I never easy to beat a team in the major leagues completely, but the Orioles are kind of that team if you're going to if you're gonna label one in the American League. So they, they have this great record against these sub-500 teams, but then they were struggling against 500 teams. Uh, they struggled right out of the gate the first game back with the Astros. And is there something with a, a team that's coming into a playoff situation, kind of for the first time, uh, that they have not a mental block, but is there something where you know mentally it's a pressing that they're doing to try and get the other contending teams in the AL and, and go after them, or is it just is it just come down to sometimes being out executed or just being outplayed? I think they're just outplayed out in those games. You know, I, I'm not concerned. I mean, of course, you'd like to see them beating everybody, the sub-500 as well as the teams over 500. 
but I'm not concerned that they had not been beating, you know, the better teams yet. It seems like this year. Uh, I, I think once you get to, I mean, they, they've done it in the past. They were in the playoffs last year, so they got a taste of it. Um, I think once they get to the playoffs, uh, I, I think it's a whole new ball game. I think they can go out there and, and beat just about anybody out there uh, that they're facing. And another big thing too is, you know, hopefully, come playoff time, they will be a, a better, stronger team too with some of these injured guys coming back. I think that's that's a factor, as, you know, as well. That you know they're not playing with you know, all the, the the hitters that the, they need. You know, so they're. they're Kind of playing with one arm being tied behind their back right now, I think. So I think they'll be stronger come later on. It'll be a, a different story then, too. So you're looking ahead, if you're looking ahead to the playoffs, uh, I talked about this with George Offman earlier in the week, and we were talking about who you kind of go with going into the playoffs as far as the rotation. Who do you like opening up game one of the playoffs on this current squad, assuming everyone's uh, healthy and, and, and there's no major issues? Uh, right now, I, I would go with Lance Lynn. As number one. And it's tough because you got four guys who are kind of, you kind of almost got four who you could start any of these guys, really. I mean, but Lynn, I mean, Rodon has been great. You got Giolito, uh, who has not pitched as well this year, but I'd still, uh, still feel good about, you know, having him up there as a number one, too. So you got a lot to choose from, but right now, uh, you know, Lynn has done the, the best, I feel like. He's uh, you know, a veteran guy, and he's got the mentality. I, I think I'd, I'd almost go with him as number one. And it is something where you look at the trade deadline, and that's why relievers seem to move every year is because you, you know, the best laid bullpen plans for every team seem to have fallen apart by sometimes by the first week of the season. Sometimes it's a, right. you know, it's absolutely I mean, the... Yeah, so happened here with the White Sox. I mean, they're coming into the season... We're talking about having they have the best bullpen in the major leagues. That, you know, that people are talking about. You know, and I heard some guys on the radio saying, you know, how many blown saves do you think they'll have? You know, how many? You know, and, and you know, you know, three or four maybe the whole year. You know, and they had like three or four in the first week, like you're saying. You know, so it's uh, things can change pretty quickly there. Where that was like going to be their biggest strength, and uh, you know, and it certainly is not right now. So do you? get more concerned about uh, bullpen depth in the second half, or is that something where you figure out what guys are and then you sort of tighten it up as far as who's in what role and who's getting used? That's the one thing that, that seems to have been dogging people as well. We don't have a lot of guys waiting behind them, but it feels like something where you know you get towards playoff time, you know who your three, four guys are that you're really going to rely on and everybody else is just there to if yeah. something goes wrong. Right. Yeah, you definitely do. You you, you want to you know, identify those those four guys or so that you know you can rely on and you know you can put in there in the you know so-called higher leverage situations. And uh, you know it may not be the four guys that you identified earlier in the season. You know, so part of it comes down to you know you know how how have you been for me you know lately? You know who's done done better? Where you're at in the totem pole? Um, you know, because sometimes uh, you know guys get hot, and sometimes they they don't. So you you want to have your hot hands, uh, you know, certainly all lined up there towards the end of the season. So in a, in a sense, as fans, we can just sit here. We're going through the second half, and you know, looking forward to guys coming back, like you said, off of the injured list, and and getting Aloy Jimenez back, and getting Luis Robert back. 
and then we can watch and see how the starters continue on and progress. But from the bullpen standpoint, all the gnashing of teeth and rending of garments and, and concern could just come down to let's hope that between Hendricks and, and three other guys that we've got a hot four horsemen of the apocalypse riding into the playoffs but <laughs> behind the starters, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and, and they've got, you know, four or five guys there at least who – they know they've done, they've had a lot of success in the past. You know, last year, the year before, they've, they've done very well. So it's not like it's uh, some young guys that I'm quite sure what they've got. You know, they've got some guys that they know can do really well and they know can succeed and uh, can, they can rely on. And uh, it's really important for these guys to figure it out and, and, and get in their, their rhythm and groove here in the second half. So as we're wrapping up... Um... Who would you uh, on the current the current contenders? Who would you want the Sox to face in the first round if if the playoffs were to uh, were to be granted in their favor? I I don't know who they'd match up best against. Uh, you know, take on whoever. But I guess at, at this point right now, I'd say avoid Houston uh, if you could. And after that, uh, let's just take them on and get going. All right. Well, I hey, I appreciate you coming on and, and you know talking some baseball with us and giving us a player's perspective on things. Um, you know, it's uh, it's always good to have you on, and uh, hopefully we'll we'll be able to be uh, able to talk to you come playoff time about what playoff baseball is like. <laughs> good, good. No, happy to do it. Ed. For socks in the basement, he's the Pope Don Paul. I'm Ed Siebert. Can I be a deacon or? Or is that just strictly Warren Newsom? Uh, yeah. yeah, he's a deacon. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found. And always on SocksInTheBasement.com.